He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. 
So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort all right, of your ladies, how's everybody doing? Fear. I will ne- yeah, you should be happy and free today. Amen. We didn't pick up any garbage, did we? We'll, we'll put a trash can out if you want us to. <laughs> Everyone had a good night? Yes, yes. It was great speaking with some of you ladies um, to hear all your testimonies and your thankfulness uh, for us having this here. And we're grateful that um, Apostle Prophet Robin and Pastor Robin and the team came. I mean, they left at 6.30. On Thursday morning, they left at 6.30 our time here, Eastern, in the morning, and got here at 12.30 at night. They took all that time to travel to get here, amen? So we want them to, to have all the time they want to have to tell us what God wants to tell us, amen? But then I want to tell you some stuff, too, so, you know, bear with me for a minute. <laughs> but before I talk, I'd like... Uh, Pastor Robin to come and greet you ladies, what's on her heart to tell you. Amen. Her and her husband, 42 years of marriage. Amen. Isn't that awesome? God bless you. Thank you so much. We are excited about being here this weekend. It is uh, it's such a, an honor and a blessing to be here. And, you know, this morning I woke up and the Lord was just speaking to me. And right before we left this morning, I said, you know, I said, I just sense that that I'll be saying something. And then <laughs> she came to me. And um, it's not just so much that I will, will say something. It's what the Lord wants to say. And what that he wants you to hear this morning. And so um, I just want to briefly share this with you. We are, uh, I want to be reading out of Judges this morning, chapter 5. So if you have your your Bibles with you, just, uh, yeah, Judges. Now, I don't have any problem talking slow so you can understand. (laughs) I've been told I have a southern accent. (laughs) 
Well, it's authentic. <laughs> Born and raised. In uh, Judges chapter 5, verse 1, says, Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoham, on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel, when the people willingly offered themselves. Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Eden, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped the clouds, also dropped water. The mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai, uh, from before the Lord God of Israel. Verse 6, in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied and the travelers walked through byways. This is talking about when, uh, when Sisera was terrorizing Israel and when Jael took the tent peg and nailed Sisera's head to the ground. And it was in those days of Shamgar when uh, the highways were unoccupied. The, um, what it's talking about there is there was no respect for the elders. The elders would walk on one side. They would walk through safe paths to keep from walking on throughout the, the byway, the highways, openly in fear of being beat up. There was dis, there was uh, disrest. There was unrest. There was uh, chaos. Kind of sounds like now. Protesting. There was. Uh, just so much going on there. But it says in verse 7, and there was no respect for the elders there. There was no respect for what the elders had taught. And so no one was saying anything. They were just kind of staying away uh, from uh, the, the wrong side. No one was instructing anyone anymore because their voices wasn't being heard. And in verse 7 says, the inhabitants of the villages ceased. No one was, you know, in my, my growing up, and, you know, I, I hear my mother coming out of my mouth so much now. <laughs> but my mom worked growing up, and that was, a, she, she, was all, she was a housewife also, but my mom worked 25 years. And she worked in a plant. She worked in uh, a Wrang Wrangler blue jeans. You know Wrangler, the jeans? My mama pressed jeans, these big old pressers, before there was a, a air-conditioned place for them to work in. I mean, those ladies would pass out. Sometimes the heat would get so, humidity would get so hot. But she stood there pressing those jeans. But I had a little grandmother, a little Cherokee, tiny little grandmother that helped raise. It took the village around, and then there was the, we say ants, not the ants crawling on the ground. <laughs> and, and everybody, great-grandmama, everybody helping raise. There was a village, and there was, they were helping raise the kids to make sure that we stayed on the right path. And in these, the inhabitants of the villages had ceased here. And they ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. 
And when a mother rises up, you need to turn around to somebody this morning and say, Get up, Mama. Get up, Mama. It is time that mamas get up. It is time that we rise up as mothers. You can take the word. It says, praise you the Lord for the avenging of Israel. You need to praise the Lord for the avenging of uh, Pennsylvania, for the avenging of New York, for the avenging of Alabama. You And your town, you need to praise the Lord, Mama, because when mamas get up, something begins to happen. And so this morning... I just want to encourage you, if you're feeling like, well, I'm insignificant in this time in which we live in. No, you are not. Because when mamas get up, officials start, things start. Listen, have you ever noticed, you know the saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. But when mama gets up, you know, listen, when mamas get up. When people, when kids start going, where are they going on Sundays? They're going to Mama's house. Daddy might live there, but it's Mama's house that they're going to. We're going to Mama. How's your Mama and them? That's where, we're going to Mama's house. When Mamas get up, it encourages the the, the husbands. It encourages the the sons to get up and and do something because mamas are the ones who are saying we got to get this done we got to get this done we got to get this done and it gives the the when the mamas get up and they believe in their their husbands they believe in their sons they start getting encouraged to get something done well when moms get up and they start praying and they start praising it. it that flow goes out into the cities, into the towns in which you represent. And so today, I want to encourage you, Mama, to get up. Get up. Don't let discouragement, don't let depression keep you down. Because you know what? It may be your prayers in, in the middle of the night that you get up and you're praying for the government. It may be you may be the one that is stopping crime in your cities. It, it may be you that the Spirit of the Lord is waking up in the middle of the night to stop a, a, a terrorist attack on, on another, another plane, another country. So be encouraged this morning because I arose. I, you need to put your name. I, Robin, arose. I, Linda, ar- you, Linda, arose and did something in Nashville. Hallelujah. Be encouraged this morning. It says in verse 9, My heart is toward the governors of Israel. Or your heart may be toward the governor uh, of whatever state that you are. You start praying for them. Even though, listen. Man. Listen. We, we, we happen to walk in a lots of love. <laughs> lots of love. But you know what? We can change policy and we can change uh, uh, procedures. We can change things in the spirit by praying. So it says, my heart is toward the governors of Israel and offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. So we're going to speak that over our government. 
that they're going to offer themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. Let's just raise our hands and bless the Lord this morning. We bless the Lord. Lord, we are rising up as strong women of God today. We are rising up and letting our voices be heard throughout, throughout the land. Lord, we thank you that we are being used this time. That there is Esther's that is among us today that is rising up. And we, we as your people, have rose up for such a time as this. And we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. Well, I tell you, the Lord wants to tell you something today. Because what she talked about is, along, I just wanted to share a little bit with you, just to exhort you a little bit. I'm not preaching. Um, well, every time I talk, I preach. But, but you are so right. And what the Lord had laid on my heart to talk to you, to just encourage you in, is relationships. This is so important, your relationships. And you know what she said about when the, when the woman rises up, when the mama rises up, people start doing things? Well, do you know that's what the enemy tells you to get you offended against your husband and your family? Because you will say, if I don't do anything around here, nobody does anything. <laughs> well, it's true. You are supposed to do something so everybody can do something. Right? So don't let the enemy turn it against you to cause you to have a snare in your relationships. You start doing stuff and see if people in your house ain't going to start doing stuff. Ask my family. (laughs) It's not that they're lazy. It's that you literally have the spark to get things going. So a fire can't get going until you get the little kindling and you start putting the little spark going. Right? 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 Well, there's lots of fires that can go on in your house if you just would move <laughs> and, and move on, a, on an idea that God's given you. Move on an action that he's given you. Amen? And stop waiting to see if your husband would get it first. I think what has happened with many homes. See, there's so much to tell you. Okay. <laughs> the devil didn't get you to deny Jesus. So you accepted Jesus, right? That's your first problem with the devil. You removed yourself from under the devil to above him. So now he's got a problem. So he's got to bring you back down to size. And so the way he can bring you back down to size is to get you to give him a foothold. Not to give him permission, to give him a foothold. When you give the devil a foothold, he comes in like a thief. A thief doesn't ask you for the keys to your house, does he? Right? A friend would if they want to drop something off. They wouldn't ask you for the keys to your house to come in and empty it, right? They'd ask you for the keys to your house to, like, maybe set up a surprise birthday party or something. But the devil doesn't want your keys to your house. He wants a foothold. He just wants a little opening that when you are not there... He can go in and steal. So when are you not there? When you're offended, you're not there. 
right? You detach yourself from the house. You're like, you know what? They can do whatever they want to do. I don't care. Right? You leave your house. So, I'm just telling you ladies, the Lord wants somebody in here to learn about relationships and start kicking the devil out of your house. Amen? I tell people, kick the devil out first, and then when everything settles, you see who is really not there for their position, and then you start working on that, right? So, but first you've got to clear the air and kick the devil out of your house. The number one tool you can use to do that is to pray in tongues. Pray in your heavenly language with God so you and him are having a conversation about what's going on in your life. And the devil can't chime in. To tell him what's happening, you got to go down, you got to speak down to him, not up. The devil and God aren't on the same level. Remember this, ladies. <laughs> All right. I'm not preaching. Um, I have written nine books. Right? And it's not because how great thou art. It's not because how great thou art. I just don't have enough time to teach all of it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> one of the books that I wrote is called um, How to Handle Difficult Relationships. So if you have relationship issues, you might want to read this. And uh, read it in light of you <laughs> as the person that needs to change. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Am I easy to have a relationship with? A good way to find out is whether or not you have a lot of friends. <laughs> so if, if you have a hard time building relationships with people, and you're, it's just my personality, I love deeply. So it takes me a lot. No, it's, it's a lie. <laughs> the love of God is smooth and pure. It's just easy. So there's something wrong in your skills of relationships. So you need to build it up, right? I'm here to encourage you. Thank you, Pastor Robin. I just, you know, if we don't tell the truth about what's happening, the devil will keep feeding you a lie. And here's the other part. When we're corrected by the Holy Ghost, it's not because we're bad. It's because the, we're, we're reaping from a bad tree. And the devil's trying to root it out of us. It's not because you're bad. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. That makes you really, really, really good. <laughs> not of your own doing, but of what he's done for you. Amen? So I just want to encourage you to, to um, invest in yourself. You don't have to buy my book to get the information. Just go buy somebody else's book. Make sure they're spirit-filled and they're talking God's word. Amen? Brother Copeland's a good resource. Kenneth Hagen, a lot of spiritual ministers. Mark Hankins, you guys like Mark Hankins? He's awesome. The blood, he's an expert on the blood of Jesus. But that's just one of the books. Another book that um, the ladies have been studying in some Bible studies has been Identity Reset. And the reason I'm pointing that out is because I talk in here, there's a whole chapter on depression, which honestly should not exist if you're a Christian, but hey. You've got to get it out sometime, right? So it's in here. And then I also talk about, um, you know, the identity crisis that people have created where, you know, the simple is simple and the complicated, right? Right? Remember what, what Apostle taught us last night? Yeah. I mean, seriously, why would, have you ever seen how the enemy wants to be a woman so bad and women are wishing they were men? 
Like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Do you realize how powerful you are, women? You're the only creation of man. You're the, you're the part of mankind that has the most sought-after real estate. The womb. You carry in your body the only thing that can bring other humans to the earth. And with that, even if you've never had a child, because you have a womb, you have the qualities it takes to do what Pastor Robin was talking about as a woman. So don't let the devil take any of those things away from you because of the lies that he plants in you. Amen. So identity reset. Get together and do a Bible study with your, with your girlfriends about it. I just want to encourage you about that. And then if you're looking for a devotional, I have one that I've written called the Purpose Journal. And the difference in this devotional is I give you a coaching tip on how to get done what the devotional was all about. Amen? That's all about me right there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all about God's gift through me. I remember when I uh, first started teaching women's groups, and, uh, <laughs> and I made the statement, I'm better than my enemy. And they all looked at me like, I went, yeah. You, your problem is you wish you're better than your enemy, but you could never get there because you can't fathom saying that. The Bible says you're wiser than your enemy. Right? Yes. That makes me better than my enemy. Amen. Right? Yes. <laughs> so women have a hard time complimenting themselves. So if you can't compliment yourself, you can't compliment your neighbor. Because the commandment, love God, Right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. So there's some people you don't want to love you because they don't love themselves too much. Right? right. Everything that we believe is changeable by what we believe next. So everything you believe now can be changed by what you believe next. I didn't grow up in America. I grew up in South America, a whole different culture. And I realized, straddling two cultures, that both of them have things in them that are completely a waste of time. <laughs> Which means there is one culture that is perfect, and that's heaven's culture. Yeah. Amen? So our job is to find out what heaven's culture looks like, and that's what we should be following. You know, the Bible says the the traditions of men makes the word of God of no effect. I want the word of God to be effective in my life. Amen? I'm not preaching, though. It's not my turn to preach. Okay. So, my son, Gabriel, is an entrepreneur. Amen? And then Josiah is planning to be an entrepreneur, too. All right. (laughs) So he has these shirts. They're called Revolutionary World Changer. And I would recommend you get them for your kids, your teenagers, yourself. Right? He's got other shirts, too, that he's... You want to hold it higher so everybody can see it? There we go. You see that? We've got several colors, but they're in the room over there, all the way to the bathroom. Strategic, isn't it? Just peek in. All right. All right. (laughs) 
And I just encourage you to get some things that uh, what you put on your body is important, right? So uh, walk around with some life-changing words. Thank you, son. And then I, I just made, these are new for me. These are things I say, and I, I have to put them on a shirt. The womb is God's design studio. What a great way to display pro-life belief. <laughs> I just thought this would be a great conversation starter, right? You wear this shirt, and somebody goes, what does that mean? It means I shouldn't kill what God's designing. Really? But what about the woman's choice? I, I, I happen to have a woman, God's designing something. Why would I want to quit? his design. Does that take the conversation to a whole different level? Yeah. yeah. See, you never oh God, I'm preaching. You never take a conversation down the vein the enemy started. Remember when Jesus was tempted and the devil tempted him with words? Jesus completely used different things to answer the question. He did it to Pharisees too. Don't answer back. You're not playing tennis with the devil. <laughs> take him to a different court start a different conversation. So anyway, if you want to, you know, display what you believe. Some people don't, but I do, obviously. Um, fly like an eagle, finish like a champion. This, you know, guys can do that too. I mean, heck, guys could wear things that say, the, you know, the womb is the, that'll start a conversation. Uh, <laughs> the word of God is my reset button. I don't know about you, but it sure is mine. Amen? When you're having a bad day, a bad attitude, you just need to go read some word and get some reset. Amen? So those are available for you. And then I wanted to show you, this is our youth group. They have a coffee-branded product. Isn't that awesome? A new generation Air Force coffee. We have, they have the beans and the ground. You want, oh. You want to go in the room, and this is how they're raising funds for their youth group to do stuff. And uh, we want to support them. Amen. And then we have agape bread. How many of you bought some bread yesterday? Oh, wasn't it amazing? Oh, it's so good. Where's Sean? Sean's in sound. Uh, he, a brand new company he just started. He launched it this week. Brand new. Isn't that awesome? One of our teenagers. Yes, yes, yes. And he, uh, he's had several orders, I mean, a lot of orders. He's been baking for hours. <laughs> but you want to support him, amen? I mean, heck, buy a loaf of bread for the table and share it around with the women. Break bread with each other, you know, you know what I'm saying? Let's get creative around here. So we are supporting the next generation, and we're supporting each other, amen? Um, also, I wanted to share with you in that same room is uh, purposely... Position, purposely position, which is a new um, company. Miss Nadine, just stand up and tell everybody about it. Nadine was, started using this little 
thing I created called my Purpose Journal. And it gives you a guidance on how to pray and seek God and what to do next. And when she used it, the first thing that she got, right, was it the first thing? Was to do this, was to do what she just did. And because she committed, she wrote it down, she went through the process, and it, it, it's, a, it's a living thing now. Do you know how many women would do so many exploits if they would, would just go forward? But it's all in your head. <laughs> and this, you write it down, and you just... Uh, all right, <laughs> listen to me. Go to Amazon, type my name in, and now you have my name because my picture's everywhere. My name's there, too. Type my name in, you'll see all the products that I have, including my husband's books. How many books did you write, Mom? Eight. He's trying to catch up. <laughs> we joke about it. We joke about it. I did. That was one of the things I did, Pastor Robin, actually, was the first book was that, that broke in in our household to start writing books. Yeah. Yeah, I got up and I wrote a book. Um, I know we're, we've been talking for a while, but hey, you know the apostle, I mean, he's a, he's a human being. I realize he's going to have to speak for four hours. We should at least relieve him of some of that time. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, what else am I supposed to talk about? Oh, offerings. I had several questions about, from you ladies about last night we were like, I think people were tired. We were just like filled up so much. We had to go digest all this stuff. And then I'm telling you about money and putting your offering. And nobody knew what the heck I was talking about. So now that we're all seated and you're cooled off and we're good. One offering podium is right over there by the bookstore. And then the other one is right back there. Nate, you want to wave? Young Mr. Nate back there. (laughs) That's Miss Lisa's son. I keep pointing out Miss Lisa's kids, and everybody's like, how many kids does this woman have? <laughs> she actually has four kids, two boys, two girls. Look, the two girls are standing right back there, side to side. I don't know where Stephen is. Oh, there's Stephen back there. By the way, they're all single, just in case, you know, in case you're doing an Isaac thing for your family, I'm just saying. <laughs> um... We're good. <laughs> anyway, that's our offering area. Um, of course, we want to bless our team. I mean, they drove so many hours to be here. On the, that's amazing, isn't it? Praise God. That, I think it's the first time speaking in Pennsylvania. Yeah. This is their first time speaking in Pennsylvania, doing a service, which is awesome, isn't it? Thank God. They get to do it at victory. That's what I'm happy about. Amen. So after lunch, when we have lunch today, after lunch, you might have lunch a little later now that we're going so long. After lunch, uh, I want to find out where everybody's from. So Miss Lisa's going to capture that information, all the states. We've got several states in the room. Amen. We'll do that after lunch. But I want to thank the Hershey Company, because you know those beautiful chocolate bars you enjoy? It was all donated by them. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, and you're going to love your lunch, pretzel sandwiches. We figure you're in Pennsylvania, we're going to give you pretzel sandwiches. I don't know if you have it where you are. Pretzel sandwiches you're going to have for lunch. And uh, that was donated by R&K Subs. A lot of it was. We, you know, we purchased some, but they, they're amazing. We like them. And uh, you're going to have some local potato chips um, from Dippin' Balls. Balls. <laughs> you can tell I am Pennsylvania Dutch. 
<laughs> they donated all the potato chips, yeah. And then we had a really great deal from Dutch Country Catering. You're going to have some whoopie pie. I'm getting you guys excited about lunch. We didn't even start the service yet. And then, <laughs> and then you like all the drinks. That, uh, you're going to have this Swiss dairy iced tea. So I've told you what your lunch is. If you don't want that for lunch, you're going to have to scoodaddle out of here, go get your own lunch and come back. I'm just saying, you don't want to miss when we get started again. That's why we want to have lunch right here for you. Amen? And besides, I want you to get to know each other and talk with somebody. You know, walk around, shop, buy stuff here. But... Everybody's good? Amen? I don't think I forgot anything, but I'll come back again after lunch and talk. But are you ready to receive? Amen? While they get ready, we're going to get ourselves ready. Anybody offended? Did I hurt anybody's feelings? Okay, not yet. She said not yet. They're waiting. (laughs) They're waiting. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Oh, she started to did she? Little firecracker, Mary. <laughs> well, listen to me, ladies. I want you to dream and write. Dream and write. Don't just dream and let it go away. Dream and write. Do you hear me? You're going to hear my voice going, dream and write. Dream and write. The little book that I gave you, the, not the little, that took me... It's not little. It's a book. (laughs) The gift that you received yesterday in your gift bag, uh, that's my newest book. And the the items in there, the the product in there, let's put it that way, that was my baby. I gave you my baby. So (laughs) that's the first coaching product I designed. And the Lord told me to write this book and put it in there. So I gave it to you. People pay me hundreds of dollars to spend an hour with them to go through this with them. So what I'm telling you is, it's not some flippant thing. It has released women from abusive relationships. It's caused people to start businesses. One lady is studying to be a pilot. (laughs) Should we tell her who it is? Wave your hand if you're the lady studying to be a pilot. Some mamas, some mamas stop being mean to their kids, so their kids are really happy about it. But, <laughs> but the thing, the, the information in that book will lead you to discover your purpose in life. Amen. A copier machine could be in any place in the world, and it doesn't matter what that place is; it will still be a copier machine. If it tries to be the coffee pot, it will fail miserably. It could be in a palace trying to be a coffee pot and be a failure. But if it is in a palace and it decides to be the copier it was designed to be, it will, be, it will, it will copy amazing things for the palace. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So each of us have a signature thing that we do 
and it's in us. Everything we touch has that signature on it. You need to find what your signature is. Amen? This book is going to help you do that. I'm only telling you that to utilize the book. Don't just this it because it's free. Oh, well. It's very valuable. And share it with your children. Walk them through the process. Amen? Amen. Are you ready to receive yeah. and participate? Amen. Yeah. We got to get loud. It sounded so awesome online when I listened back. We were so loud. It was amazing. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for today. We give you glory. We give you honor. We magnify the name of Jesus that is bigger than any other name. We thank you, Lord. You're the one that gives the gifts, the abilities. It's your that we operate by. And Lord, we thank you that we have the ability to seek your face and to hear your voice. And right now in this atmosphere, we hook up to the frequency of heaven. We say there is no distortion, there's no blockage. We can hear clearly what the Spirit of God is saying. And I declare in this atmosphere that no other voice has authority to speak here except the voice of the Holy Ghost. And I speak to voices from the past, voices in the present, voices that have been stuck on replay that does not belong to God. It has to shut up in the name of Jesus. And we declare freedom in the spirit of the Holy Ghost to speak to us. Let us hear something we've never heard. Let us see something we have never
his blind side He said you wouldn't make it He swore you wouldn't make it But he lied, lied, lied You are the body of Christ You are the body of Christ You are the body of Christ Ain't that nice Sneaking up on the devil Coming up on his blind side He said you wouldn't make it He swore you wouldn't make it But he lied, lied, lied You know what? You are the body of Christ You are the body of Christ You are the body of Christ Ain't that nice Ago, I was uh, I was in prayer one day, and and I uh, I begin to. Sometimes you get in prayer, and you can end up over in a place that you didn't know existed. And um, I was just just praising, I guess, worshiping the Lord, whatever it was I was doing, and, and then all at once, I've been to heaven three times. And um, I know uh, Sister Kat, she's been to heaven probably thousands of times. And, uh, you know, she's, a, she's absolutely an amazing prophetess of God. I mean, just amazing. And, uh, but I've been there three times, but all three times I was there, I went to a throne room. There's different throne rooms in heaven. There's different places that the king is at at different times. And just like uh, uh, other kingdoms, they have different throne rooms, different places where things are decreed and declared and things like that. And um, I was in this one while we were playing that song. It just came back to my memory because you never forget these things. And and I remember I, I came up in this throne room and, and this particular one, it's a, it's a darker room. It's not... Bright, bright. And it's not darkness like you know darkness. It's different. And uh, it's full of, of uh, mystery. 
And so in this, but it's the place. And I saw it in, in, his, in every room I've ever been in, in every throne room, there's these giant columns that stand. And they don't hold anything up. They're just there. And they're, this particular room, they look like they were black with gold swirls in them around these columns. And I could see him seated on the throne. And on this throne, in, in this particular one, his eyes blazed like fire. They were just like fire coming out. And, um, and I remember out in front of him, there were these lamps burning fire. And sitting out in front of his throne that he could in front of him all the time. And over here to his right, I noticed these words, these letters came up out of the, looked like out of the floor maybe. And I remember seeing, uh, it looked like Japanese letters who were written in red. And it was straight up and down like that. He turned with those blazing eyes and looked at those letters. And I remember, I think there were some that looked Hebrew that came up. He looked at those. And he just, he'd sit there and study this. And I asked the Lord when it was over. There's a lot I could tell you maybe. I, I don't know so much about that room, but a lot I could tell you about visits there. But he was, and I asked the Lord, what is that? He said, this is the room where I hear every prayer. And I read every prayer that comes up to me. And um, so there is a special place where he, he looks at your prayers constantly. He sees you. And, he, and that fire that blazes out of his eyes, the reason to hear so much about that, that is a Hebrew word called hesed. And it means the love that a mother has for her baby. If it was trapped in a burning building, that she would throw herself into the flames to save that child with no thought for her own safety. That's the word chesed. Chesed. And it, when you read in the Old Testament where it says tender, loving, kindness, and mercy, it's that word. Chesed. And so that fire that leaps out of his eyes is that passion that he belongs and loves you with. And it burns in his very being. That he would throw himself into any situation to see you delivered. And he did just that. When he went to the cross, then he went into hell and paid the price. And he rose again after three days and nights. That's that blazing in his... When he looks at you, it leaps from his eyes. And the anger of God, when you hear about this word, the anger of God, it means God's driving passion to deliver. That's what that is. And so every time He looks at you, this is what He does. You can't even imagine. I think only mothers could imagine anything like that. That the love, they would just sacrifice it all for that child. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. If you've lost a child, I've lost a child, miscarried, whatever, that child's there waiting on you. And that child will be there to greet you when you arrive. And the Lord will take care of that child until you get there. And then you'll be reunited. But you know what it'll be? 
It'll be like you've never lost a moment. You will be known as you are known, and instantly your bond will be there as if the years never disappeared. Hallelujah. The Lord had me stop to tell you that. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Let's lift our hands and bless our God and give Him praise and honor and glory and thanks. Hallelujah. How we bless you, Lord. How we give you all of our praise and honor. For you are good. Oh, so good. And your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good. So And your mercy endures forever. I give you praise. I give you praise. Now you know those words. Let's sing together, would you? You are good. So good. You are good, so good. You are good, so good. And your mercy endures forever. You are good, so
to the Lamb of God. How we bless the Lord. Come on and just bless Him and thank Him for this wonderful day. It is a day of praise. A day of rejoicing. Thank you so much. 
for having us here at this conference. Thank the pastors for having us here. What a wonderful thing. Let's give them a big hand, would you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we had a time last night, didn't we? Was you ex- How many of you were excited about last night? It's going to be exciting today, too. Yes, it will. I want you, if you will, if you got your Bibles with you, you ought to always go to war with your sword. Never leave it behind. Hallelujah. If you got it, let's hold it up, whether it's on your phone and paper or whatever, just hold it up. Let's give the devil a massive nervous breakdown. He's earned it. He deserves it. So let him have it. And any Christian that will hold their Bible up, wave it, and shout is dangerous. <laughs> That's a free thinker. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear that we can learn your word together as a family. I give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you out of Genesis 3-7 this morning. <laughs> and... uh the Lord had given me this for this conference, I believe, that simple things are simple things. They're made complicated by complications. Maybe you remember that. So we need to keep that in the forefront of our thinking. The simple things are simple things, but they're made complicated by complications. Complications are tiny tidbits of death injected into your destiny to try to detour you and destroy what God has called you to. Never forget that. Now, your destiny, I want to talk some about that today. Destiny. Can you say that with me? Destiny. Destiny is placed and has been placed within you. And everything you need to succeed, God placed inside you. God placed the history. See, the history of all mankind, the history of every man is in every man. The history of every man is in every man. John Lake said, he said that strength of any religion is determined by the consciousness that it produces in those that follow it. And inside of Christianity, there outside of that, there is nothing else that produces the consciousness that being a Christian produces inside you. Because when Jesus rose from the dead and he breathed on his disciples, said he breathed on them. Remember that in, in St. John? He called them around him and he breathed on them. He breathed on them the consciousness that he possessed when he came up out of hell. That's what he was breathing on them. And there is where they were born again, there on the spot. And when he breathed on them, he gave them the consciousness of his complete conquest in hell. You have to remember something. This thing was a mystery hidden in God. And Jesus just didn't uh, die and go into hell and just duke it out with the devil. 
He went into hell and He paid the price for you and my sin. He became sin with our sin. He didn't carry your sin. He became your sin. And so He paid the awesome price for Adam's high treason. See, Adam was treasonous. This is what produced everything you know of. See, what it is, is you're living in a world. You were born into a world you were not created to live in. You were created to live in a world before Adam sinned. And now you've been born into this world, into a fallen world. Amen. So we have to begin to produce, a, we have to go to God's Word and start filling our consciousness again with what it means to live as a brand new creature. What it means to live in this kind of dominion and this kind of authority that He gave back to us when He rose from the dead. Okay. All right. Since it's early. <laughs> now I want you to look at Genesis chapter 3. I, want to, I, want, uh, I said verse 7. We're going to get to verse 7. But I want to go ahead and I want to straighten something out in, in, in our thinking. See, simple things are simple things. But they're complicated when complications are introduced to it. Now watch this in Genesis 3 verse 1. Moses has told this whole story of creation. And we covered a lot of that last night. You know, about the, the, the cast and all. But then Moses comes to chapter 3 and he says, Now, now I want to cover this part. Now the serpent was more subtle or cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now complications had entered in. A serpent was in the equation. Insinuations were in the equation. Until the woman wasn't even quoting correctly. That's what it does. When it comes into your life to complicate your life, it is sent to get you off of what God really said. And it causes you to get in frustration mode until you'll start speaking things God never even said. And you're adding to what He said. Now, and the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Well, he's a liar. God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, here is, the, here is, here is what is taught and thought. Amen. You know, some things just happen like the great ham tradition. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. And some things are just taught and accepted. How many of you don't know what the ham tradition is? A bunch of you. Well, the ham tradition was the man had got married, you know, and his, 
He was admiring his wife's culinary skills. She was showing them off and she got ready to bake them a ham. So she cut the end of it off and laid it aside and put the ham in the plate and the bacon thing and slid it in there. And he just, he thought, well, it was great. Then he said, why would you cut the end off of that? Well, she said, I don't know. Mama did it. So he said, well, I'm going to call Mama. So he called Mama. And he said, I don't know. Why would you do that? I don't know. My grandma did it. My mama did it. So he said, I'm going to call Grandma. So he called Grandma. And he said, why would you do it? She said, when we got married, my baking pan was too little. (laughs) But it just became a tradition. So here's the tradition. The man was off working hard in the garden. And he was off. He didn't sweat, you know, at that time. <laughs> so he's off working hard in the garden. And he's doing, what he, he's doing the garden things that he's supposed to be doing. And his wife is off somewhere messing around with that tree. <laughs> and she gets in front of that tree and starts talking to this snake. And so she ate of the fruit. And went back home, and her husband came in and sat down to drink his sweet tea. And when he sat down, and he sits down in the chair, she comes up and he says, You got dinner ready? Oh, yes. Try some of this fruit. And he ate it, and whoo, everything changed. That's really what people think. And men make ignorant Asinine jokes like the woman thou gavest me. That's not funny. Because what was said right here was this. She took of the fruit. Watch now. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise... She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. He was standing there the whole time. I asked you a question last night. I said, who did the devil talk to first? We said it was the woman. But wait just a minute. The serpent, the woman. Wait a minute. I wonder who he really talked to. And why didn't the man step in and do something? He was the, if he's so big on being, and I'm not just saying this because it's a ladies conference, you know, because I, I am a man. I mean, so I don't want to be beating on myself too much. But, but you know, if I thought my cousin was an antichrist, I'd tell you. I'd say, you don't think my cousin's an antichrist. You know, y'all, y'all, y'all just give me a little bit of liberty this morning. I'm just going to take my time a minute. One time we were, we were playing music and we were on tour back then. We toured for a lot of years. And, and uh, I, you know, I sing most of the, the music, a lot of it here, because I write it standing there. And, and so, but over all the years, Robin was the voice. She's the reason we toured and sang. It was when we had the record labels, deals, and all that was her singing. I was her guitar player. And so, um, you know, let me do this while I'm right here. Let me introduce you to the most awesome team anywhere. 
I'll introduce you to them. I, I, I'll, get, I'll give Linda a few minutes to show herself again, but I'm going to start right here with Tommy. It's Tom, now Tommy, stand up, brother. This is Tommy Morse. He's our cousin, and he's the bass player and the bus driver and, and all of that. When we're traveling, that's Tommy Morse. Uh, yeah, well, we all do that. Now, right here, right here beside Tommy is someone who, when she was born, she looked at me and Robin and just said, I'll take it from here. I'll, I'll just take it from here. She, she absolutely, she, uh, now she not, she used to see her playing drums. And she's a, just a superb drummer. But she's also an excellent guitar player. And she also has an excellent voice and she has her own. She has her own ministry, her own music. She just got back from L.A. doing uh, five new songs. I say just; it was a little while back, but you've never released them yet. And they're the most awesome things. And and uh, uh, Krista is. If you've never looked up her music on YouTube, you should. You should. Uh, Krista Jordan music. You can find it. And this is our daughter, our youngest daughter, Krista Jordan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, right here, sitting, sit, huh? Oh, now she's a preacher. Krista's a preacher. When she was little, when she was little, uh, she was a little tiny thing, and she would line. She we'd go to Benny Hinn meetings, and she'd line her baby dolls up. She would, and she'd go down there and knock them over. She did that. That's all she knew to do. Oh, yeah. She'd go down there and pray for them, knock them over. And, uh, and she was, <laughs> she said, uh, she'd say, I, I, I want to preach. I want to preach. I want to preach. So she, I, we got her a pulpit about this tall. And she'd stand behind her. We got pictures of her with her guitar around her and her microphone. And she'd just, and she'd preach. And she'd say, Jesus died on the cross. She'd say, you know he died on the cross. And then all of her Barbie dolls, she'd play with her Barbie dolls, and, and she'd play like it was the hen family. And, and, and Benny had a, and her family and her dolls had, a, had a, one named Ken Hen. That was his brother. And then uh, they'd have, she'd have all these Barbies, and this one Barbie didn't have any clothes on, so she called her the sinner. And she, <laughs> she brought her into the hen church and got her saved. That's true, isn't it? True. So Krista's been in ministry since she was born. It's the truth. And... Uh, so that's our daughter, our youngest daughter. Our oldest daughter is Amber Nicole. And uh, she's, you see her playing drums at Church International on Sunday morning. She's the drummer then. And, uh, and then Krista and Amber will be preaching there tomorrow, too. And then Krista is with us a lot, too. Hallelujah. Now, right beside Robin is an anointed lady that we have known for years. And uh, they're like our family. They're like part of us. And... And she's the scribe for the ministry. All the prophecies you see that we that we post and everything like that, 
I wouldn't even remember most of them. Because when you give a prophetic word, it don't come through your head. It comes out of your spirit, so they're hard to remember. And so she scribes every prophecy. She did it last night. She'll do it whenever. And, and when I, something happens on the news, partners and people will, will contact and say, Do you know this happened? You said that on this. And I, I call Linda. Miss Linda, can you find where I said this? And she'll locate it. That's a scribe. That's a scribe. And so this is Miss Linda Cantrell. Stand up, Linda, and let everybody give you a hand. And right next to her is one of the highest singing men that you, that you can hear. And Ronnie had a background. He sung, I don't know, uh, Southern gospel music for a long, long time. He has tremendously talented. He, he played with and sang with these different folks. And now he's singing with us. And this is Ronnie Cantrell right here. Stand up, Ronnie. Let everybody. Hallelujah. And there's one more person at the table that I have been privileged enough to be married to for 42 years. And we got married. Uh, I was 17. She was 16. And uh, we were, when I was 19, she was 18. Our first baby was born. And so we've been married our whole lives. <laughs> and um, But, you know, you find the right one. And, uh, and we, you know, we, we had that song years ago that uh, birds of a feather flocked together. And these two robins did. <laughs> and uh, and I, I wrote a song for our anniversary one time. I surprised her on it. And um, it's uh, uh, seven wonders of the world have all marked history. But I met another one who made its mark on me. It wasn't old Niagara underneath the velvet sky. No, it was a robin with blue eyes. <laughs> so, she is absolutely the most remarkable person uh, I've ever met. And um, she is the most anointed pastor. And I've ever met, ever know. I know her life inside and out. And uh, I want you to give uh, my wife a big hand. Stand up, Robin. It's Pastor Robin R. Bullock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Thank you. Thank you so much. Our anniversary is Tuesday, this Tuesday. And um, so we're privileged to get to, sh to be with you and share it with you. And people ask about our other children. There's John. That people asked, somebody asked the other day, said, I want to know why their son's not in ministry. Well, our son is the reason you see anything about the ministry. Because he is absolutely the technical person that does it all. 
I mean, all of it. You might not see him, but you. Every time you hear a puppet voice on CI uh, on the Church International Sunday, and you see those puppets and all, all that's his voice. Everything is his wow. doing. All the live streams. Uh, yeah, he's the children's pastor. Him and his wife Madison. So they're children's pastors, and and um, then our whole family is in ministry. My son-in-law is one of the the executives in the ministry, and and so forth, and. And uh, it's just a blessed family. We have a blessed family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know. I thought I'd stop and tell you that if you just give me a little privilege on that this morning. Now, what was I talking about? Now, you remembered that quick, didn't you? <laughs> so, he turned, she turned to her husband there with her. And he did eat. So he was standing there the whole time. He knew what God had said. He could have stepped in, knocked that out of her hand. Notice there was no fall until he ate. The scripture says the man was not deceived. The woman was deceived. And in the transgression she sinned, being deceived. But he was not deceived. Now, when I asked who did he talk, who did the Lord talk to first? Well, go over to Luke 10, and let's just find out. Since we, uh, and why I'm sharing this with you, only the Holy Ghost knows right now. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Are you ready? And behold, that's an old English word that means look. Just means look. But it means look with dramatic. Behold. Oh, yeah, that's a Charlton Heston look. Behold. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite movie in the world. Charlton Heston, The Ten Commandments. Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. That's my, you know, Charlton Heston, Yule Brenner. And Charlton Heston was so young, he had a space between his front teeth. You ever notice that? He did. And he, this is the way he talked to him and Yule Brenner. They were the coolest thing. I mean, they stood there, and, you know. And, you will obey, Ramses. Yule Brenner, remember? Moose, moose. Moose, remember that? And then Charles Hesson said, said, if there is one more plague upon Egypt, it is by your word that God will bring it. And there will be such a cry throughout the land. You will surely let my people go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's authority right there. <laughs> oh, man, we could jump off on so many places right now. <laughs> and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, Jesus, tested him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? He said, In other words, you're a lawyer. What's written in the law? And how do you read that? Everything's determined by how you read this book. And he answering said, 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he, Jesus, said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. And then the Holy Ghost told on the man, and told what his motive was in this. But he willing, his will was to justify himself. He said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So he wants to make himself right, justify himself. Why do I need you or anyone else to justify me? This was his will. Now Jesus has got to answer the question to him, why you can't make yourself right and who your neighbor is, all in one teaching. So he says this, Jesus answering verse 30 said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now he said, A certain man did this. Now it's not a parable anymore. It's a certain man. It's certain it happened, and it happened to a certain guy. And he said he, he was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Who he's talking about in this discourse is Adam. He's got to tell him why he can't make himself right, what happened, and who his neighbor is. So this certain man, Adam's home used to be where he lived. The earth was Eden, but eastward in Eden was a garden spot. That garden spot is what you now know as Jerusalem. Israel And in Israel was Jerusalem, and that's where Adam's home was. That's why it's called the city of the great king. And Adam lived, that's why there's a fight over that city. If you break one window in Jerusalem, it'll be a shot heard around the world by tomorrow. And it's the smallest thing. But the Jews teach that it's the eye of the universe. It's the very center of the universe. And that's why God talks about he, they're the apple of his eye. And so in that city is where Adam's home was. And Jesus said, you can't make yourself right because this certain man who lived there got up from his home and went down to Jericho. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho is called the bloody way. And on the way down to Jericho, now it's strategic that it's called Jericho. Because Jericho, the ancient Jews teach this, the sages teach this, that Satan's throne used to sit on the moon. And when the moon is in its fullest, he has his widest expression of power. And when the moon would be full and people acted like fools, they called them lunatics. And in the scripture, the New Testament, you'll find that word used. said he was possessed, he was a lunatic. That's what they're referring to. But what you may not know is the name Jericho, the word Jericho in Hebrew is moon. And he said, you can't make yourself right because a certain man left his home in Jerusalem, went down the bloody way to the moon. And on his way down there, he fell among thieves. But the Greek doesn't say that he fell among them. It says he lighted among them. He joined them. 
So on his way down there, listen to what it says, verse 30. He fell among thieves. Now they stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Notice they didn't take his money. They took his clothing. They took his covering. Adam wore three garments, just like the last Adam did. He wore the robe of righteousness, the garment of praise, and the tunic of authority. The last Adam had three garments. They tore the first two, but when he came to the tunic he wore, it's written there so you and I could see it. They were the thieves or the Romans, the, the gamblers at the cross said, Don't tear that one. Why? Well, number one, it cost more than any of us could make in a year. It was woven without seam. And he said, they said, don't tear that one. Let's gamble for this one. It was symbolic of Satan taking the tunic. The tunic laid closest to your body and it, and it represented Jesus' authority. Satan said, don't tear that up. Don't tear that up. I need that. And it was symbolic of this. So when the first Adam went down to Jericho, he fell among thieves. He said they wounded him, stripped him of his raiment. They took the glory that robed him. And they wounded him and left him half dead. Now Adam knows good and evil. He's half dead. Before that he only knew good. But now he knows good and evil, so he's half dead. And he said, watch now, you've got to see this. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Watch now, he says, and by chance, in verse 31, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So what he's telling this man is, is this. A certain man, Adam, left his home, went down the bloody way to the moon. He fell among, lighted among thieves. They wounded him, left him knowing good and evil, took his co covering, his clothing, took his raiment from him, left him half dead. The priesthood came by and couldn't save him. So he went... Passed by on the other side. The Greek says he went the opposite. Said then a Levite or the Levitical law couldn't save him either. He passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan in his journey, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now a Samaritan is somebody who's a, who's a half Jew. A Samaritan's mother is Jewish, but their daddy's something else. Jesus' mother was Jewish, but his daddy's God. So he compares himself to the Samaritan. And he says, a certain Samaritan came by as he journeyed, came to where he was. When he saw him, he was moved with compassion on him. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil, the anointing, and wine, the blood. 
He poured in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, and took him to an inn, took him to the place of comfort, and gave the comforter two pence to take care of him. You're not listening, are you? You, you, you got it? So he came, he picked him up, poured in the, the anointing and the blood, bound up his wounds, set him on his own faith, took him to the place of comfort, gave the comforter two pence, said, take care of him for this long. Two pence is two days' wages. One day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is as one day. He said, take care of him at least for 2,000 years. If I'm any longer in my return, I'll pay you when I get here. And so, then he looked at the lawyer and he said this. Now which, verse 36, now which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? He said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. So he answered why he couldn't make himself right and who his neighbor was. Jesus was his neighbor. He can't make himself right because a certain man left his home and joined some thieves. So who did the devil talk to first? There had to be a reason he stood there and didn't say anything. Are you listening to me? Yeah. How would he get such an inroad to Adam? Remember, Adam couldn't be deceived. He had to commit treason. So how did he get such an inroad to him? When he woke up from the sleep, he said... This is woman because she came from man. She's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. For this cause a man, uh, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. And you read that and it's beautiful. But did you notice something? There was not one thing like this. Thank you God for giving me my wife. When he woke up, there's no record he praised God. For that woman. And praise steals the enemy. And the avenger. And Satan saw it. And he started pushing. And pushing. Hallelujah. How many of you are listening today? You see it? Now. So who did he talk to first? Had to have been Adam. Absolutely. He knew he had to get to him. He had to. Now watch. So your destiny, God has placed in you. Now God began to reveal his plan and the destiny of all mankind. When he opened the man's side. When it says he put him in a deep sleep, reached into, the Hebrew says, reached into his womb and removed his female counterpart. 
Because both spirits were placed inside one body in the, in the very beginning. So, to reveal his destiny, he opened up the man's side and began to shape his destiny. The scripture says he took a rib. He took a rib. Now, let's look at this. He took a rib. Now, the word rib means curve. It's talking about a curve as curved. And frequently, or figuratively, it means a door. So, he made a curved womb man from a rib. It's telling you what, how, why... Why it's not Adam and Steve. <laughs> so, he made a curved womb man, and, he, and it means also figuratively a door. So, he made a curved womb man and a door through which destiny could come. See, your destiny is on the inside of you. So in order to show man his destiny, he opened Adam's side, reached in and removed and pulled out the door through which the door could come. And he removed and pulled out his destiny from his side. And Adam gave birth to his own destiny out his side. And when he did, he revealed destiny in the figure of a woman. Now, the word rib also architecturally means a timber or a plank. Flooring. A beam or a board. And Jesus carried a cross beam. It also means halting. Halting? Yes. Jacob halted or limped after he wrestled with God. So it also means leaves. And we see men covered themselves with leaves right after the fall. Now, what is all of this talking about? So, through the door came the door, Jesus Christ. When God opened up the side to remove the rib and bring out from the inside of the man destiny, it was in the image of a woman. Adam, the reason he reached for fig leaves, you have to remember, Adam was a prophet. And since his destiny was in him, it means all these things. His rib means all these things. Adam was not a caveman. Unless he chose to have a vacation spot in a cave somewhere. And you could guarantee it probably looked like Carlsbad Caverns. It was so fixed up. But Adam had already seen his... You have to remember something. Adam was such a remarkable... He glowed with the glory of God from the inside out. 
He wore a crown of the glory that set above the heavens. He, he operated and caused the planets and the gravitational pulls to operate by his faith with no thought of it at all. He just woke up and walked around and his faith was controlling everything God had made for him. Anything that pertained to him, Adam's faith was operating it. All the fear you know of is Adam's faith running in reverse right now. It was that big. And he saw his own destiny. He knew what, watch now, you never notice the Bible says that every hair of your head is numbered. Adam knew the number. Every hair of your head is numbered. He knew what his rib meant. Oh. I, I'm just, I, I'm, oh, I'm way out here now. Whoa. I'm way out here now. Watch now. Adam. Remember? Adam. If you can read, if you just translate a few words in Hebrew where it talks about walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It means that Adam would go into a euphoric prophetic worship. He would start to worship. And he would worship and worship and enter over into this area until the life of the day. The Bible says God would walk up in the life of the day in Hebrew. In other words, what, the, what makes all the trees live, what makes everything live, what gives everything its life, would begin to come and generate around Adam when he would praise and worship. And God would step up in that life and wrap it around himself so Adam could see him and they would talk and walk through the garden. He would walk up in the life of the day because God is life. No darkness at all. And so at that point... Adam could go into this worship and he could go to where God lived and God could come to where he lived. Remember when, well, you don't remember, but you've read it. When Moses, when God, God told Moses, he said, you be sure you make this furniture of the tabernacle after the uh, pattern that I showed to you of the one in heaven. So there is a tabernacle in heaven that Moses' tabernacle is a duplicate of. So if you walk into Moses' tabernacle, you always walked in from the east. So if you walk in Moses' tabernacle, the first thing you see is the brazen altar. Then you step further and you see the laver where the, the holy water, where the uh, priests cleanse themselves. Then you walk through five posts that held up the inner court curtain. And when you walk through there, walking this way, over on this side would have been the seven golden candlestick menorah. On this side was the table of showbread, the bread of His presence. Then one step further was the, bre- uh, was the golden altar where the incense burned. And the priest would stand over it like this. And let the smoke go up through the openings of their fingers to God. Then behind that veil was the Holy of Holies with the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. The the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. Made 
Wasn't that when when uh, uh, Moses? That's the no. That's the pattern of the the ark of the covenant. And if Jesus lay down in the tabernacle, he would lay down like this. His feet would be on the brazen altar. The Bible says his feet are burned like fine brass. His belly would be where the labor is, the water. And out of your belly flows rivers. In his right hand would be the seven stars or the seven golden candlesticks. In his left hand is the table of his presence and the healing is the children's bread. The golden altar is the heart of God and that would be where his chest is and his head would rest on the Ark of the Covenant. It's shaped like a cross and that's, that's where he would be. In the days of Joshua, the Jews record this, that they looked out and they heard a sound. They looked out toward the tabernacle and the tent curtains were doing this, like a man breathing. They said, what is that? And they said, it's the Ruach, HaKodesh, the breath of the holies, or the Holy Spirit. And it was Jesus laboring on the cross and what he would accomplish. time, remember what the ark of and it's all a pattern of the one in heaven so in heaven there's a holy of holies with the ark of the covenant then there is the golden altar of incense there is the seven branch golden candlestick there is the table of showbread there is the labor, there is the brazen altar. Or he wouldn't have told them to build it exactly. He said, you be sure you do. He was, he was really emphatic about that. You be sure you build it after the pattern of the one I showed you in heaven. So, in Moses' tabernacle, the priest went in once a year to offer blood on the mercy seat, somebody just said. On the mercy seat. So it's the seed of blood that replaced the man's blood. So the ark of the covenant in heaven is also the seed of blood. What blood? It was Adam's seat. It was his seat. It's where he sat by, by the Father. It was where his part was. This was the Ark of the Covenant. Wow. And maybe see, can you see that? It had to be the seed of blood, or the seed in Moses' tabernacle was to re- the animal's blood replace the man's blood because it was innocent, but it was the seed of the first man's blood. 
And in heaven, God made that seat for Adam to sit with him in heavenly places. And when the blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat, God would appear and talk to the priest. That's why it's the holy of holies. It's the holiest place in existence where man communes with God. So Adam would go into this worship and he could go there. But when he looked out over it, he would have seen the golden altar and the menorah and the table and the labor. And he would have looked beyond and saw the sacrifice altar. And he knew if I sin, that will become activated. Somebody will have to die. And there's only one person above me, Adam would have thought. And it would be God. So the Bible says when Jesus rose from the dead, He had to take His blood into the heavenly tabernacle and cleanse the heavenly utensils of worship. Who could have possibly dirtied that? Only Adam. Adam was not deceived. The woman was. So, you have an idea of the Ark of the Covenant. The first one. When God stretched Himself upon His own cast. He cut a covenant. And Luke 3 says, Adam, the son of God. That part's in italics because they know he had no father but God. Blood type G. So he, this is the Ark of the Covenant. If we could get that, now watch this. So imagine what he retained inside his knowledge. This is why when he was driven from the garden... I want to show you something. If you want to see it, I'll show you. If you don't want to see it, we'll talk about Popeye or something. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just kidding with you. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just kidding with you. Sometimes you have to say something. You know, you get out, you get whoa, way out here. <laughs> you know, <yeah>. So, <clears throat> you ready? Now watch this in Genesis three. We were there. So go down here, and uh, we'll just. Watch what you already know in your spirit. Now, watch this. This is amazing what you know. In verse uh, 20, I could, I could add you another, another piece of knowledge if you'd like it right here. Of course, I can't add anything. If the Holy Ghost will have to add it, you know. But I can say it and see what he does with it. The, um, and I couldn't even say it unless he told me. <clears throat> Maybe just a moment. <clears throat> Thank you. Now, you're with me, right? Okay. Now, now he, Adam was this brilliant. Now you know now what he must have known. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! And he. And Jesus was smarter than him. 
Jesus would say things like this. When I return, when the Son of Man comes, it will be like the lightning coming from the east to the west. And he said, two men will be in the field working. Or uh, field work, one will be taken, one will be left. Two will be in the bed sleeping, one will be taken, one left. Well, in his day, there was no night shift. <clears throat> None. What he just told those men is the world is in hemispheres. It's light on one side while it's dark on another. He talked like that to them. No wonder he would say things that they had no clue what he, what he knew, what he was saying. Isn't that right? So he was saying, when it's dark on one side and they're sleeping, it'll be light on the other, and I'm coming that fast through the whole earth. Now, so he knew, and see, the Hebrew, the Hebrew language is, is three languages. The Hebrew alphabet is, is in three parts. Uh, it's, it's a pictorial language. Every letter has a symbol. The Aleph, you know, it's Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hay, so forth. Twenty-two letters, no vowels. But the sounds are there, even though the vowels really don't exist. You can't curse in Hebrew. You can't. You have to interject the word to do it. Because God is life. <clears throat> Every language in existence has Hebrew in it. Because we all came from one person. So all of these things, when you start seeing it, so when you say Aleph, and it reads from right to left. So when you say Aleph, Aleph, the Aleph bet, they call it the alphabet, the Aleph bet. The Aleph is the symbol of a bull, an ox. The last letter of the Hebrew alphabet is Tav. It's the symbol of a cross. So in Greek, Jesus said, they recorded it, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. But in Hebrew, he would have said, I am the Aleph and I am the Tav. I'm the beginning of the sacrifice and I'm the end of the sacrifice. So it's all pictures and every letter means something in a picture. But then, they're letters also, but then they are numbers. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, 1, 2, 3. And it goes up to uh, 20, and then it goes, or 10, then it goes 10, 20, 30, 40, uh, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 200, 300, 400. So all of them are letters, and they're numbers, and they're letters, and they're pictures. And the, the revelation of everything in existence is within that alphabet. Everything. Oh, that's another subject. If we had time to talk about that, that's an amazing thing. And you'll understand. Even the, even the Star of David, the Megan David, the Shield of David, is, is a triangle this way, a triangle this way. Triune man reaching up to triune God who reached down. And, and you live in the middle of those two triangles. And outside of that, you don't have any life. 
Hallelujah. Now, you say, where'd you get that? Well, the Lord told me. Now, <laughs> He did tell me. Now, now, now watch this. So, so you, you, you see these things. Amen. Amen. So Adam knew what everything meant. Now, the, Hebrew, the numeric value, since you know their numbers, for Adam is uh, 45. It's a beginning of something. The numeric value of Adam is 45. The numeric value for Yahweh, or Jehovah, we say in English, which is really no certain. There's no such name as Jehovah. We say it, trying to say a Hebrew name, Yahweh, that there's no really pronunciation for that either. That anybody really knows. So it's really four letters, yud Hey, bob Hey. And in just so many letters of his name, he created everything. Just in a few of those letters. That's how much power's there. Come on, y'all. Y'all with me, right? You, they're going to get to eat later, right? Okay. <laughs> now, so, Adam would have known what his name numeric was. If he can go to heaven and sit on the Ark of the Covenant, you know good and well he knew. Then he would have known what the, the numeric value of Yahweh was, which is 26. So when an Eve, God didn't name her Eve. Adam named her Eve. And he wasn't in a petting mood when he did it. You think about it. I have a different take on that that I see from the Scripture. Scriptures of no private interpretation, but it is it, it, it does have to line up with the rest of the book. Or it has to be thrown out. Her numeric value is 19. His numeric value is 45. As Eve, her it's 19. And, the, and, and Yahweh, or Jehovah's numeric value, is 26. So when you take 26 from 45, it leaves. But the Bible says in Genesis 5 that he named them both Adam. They were both named Adam. They were both 45s. They were a pair of 45s. And so, but he gets, he changes her name. Because Yahweh is, the, is God in His system of government. And He's of seed, plant, and harvest. And He told her from now on, I remove your right to sow. I will do all the decision making, all the sowing, everything I will do. I will do this. And so her 26 letters were removed from her name. And it changed it from Adam to Eve. The mother of all living. And from that point on, women became worthless in the eyes of the world. They were traded for cows, camels, sheep. Men didn't have one wife. They could have up to 700. You think about this. 
But Jesus didn't say that. The last Adam still called her woman. Man with a womb. He talked about it from the beginning. It was one man, one woman. The last Adam didn't fail. And he wasn't angry at you. So, this is where the whole thing was born that women couldn't preach. Came from a disgruntled guy. And so they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't say anything anymore. You, you understand that? So, when Jesus rose from the dead... He elevated woman right back to her position. And watch this. You say, you, do you know all about this? No. No, I don't. Do you? No. So I'm talking about a whole lot more than I know. But I can tell you some of the things I know. The first person to ever carry the word was Mary. A woman. So let me get back on this. I got off too far on that. Here's the thing. When Adam grabbed those leaves, he's pulling on that name rib. Now you have to understand something. Rib also means leaf. Leaves. It's talking about figuratively it's a door. It's a it's a it's a curve. It's a, a a a door. It's 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 a timber or a plank. Jesus died on the cross. He was a carpenter. Everything. Adam would have saw his destiny when his side was opened. And and destiny means. Let me see if I can find this for you because I wrote it down for you so I can I can read this to you. Destiny it commonly refers to a specific future or outcome that results from a predetermined or or evitable course of events. The word can also refer to the course of events itself, or to the power or force thought to make such things happen. It's not just something where you're going. It also talks about the road to get you there. So when he removed that rib and he opened Adam's side and removed destiny from inside the man, the man saw signposts on the road to get him to where he was going to go. He saw wood. He saw beams. He saw leaves. He saw all of these things. He understood that she was a door. He understood the way it was going to work. And he understood these things. The Jews even teach this. They teach that Adam, there is a psalm in 146.3 where it says, Do not trust a, 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 a noble. Don't give them your trust. In other words, because they'll betray you. And what David is referring to there, according to the rabbis, is that Adam, when he fell, he, had a, he saw his life, his destiny. And he saw someone in his family line named David Hamelech, or King David. He saw a young baby named Named David, And when he did, he saw the baby would only live a few hours or a few days and he would die. And it was so pitiful to Adam that the Jews say 
Adam asked the Lord, let me give him 70 years of my life. And Adam was destined to live a thousand years after he died, after he sinned and died spiritually. So according to them, he gave David 70 years of his life. And then so he could live and fulfill destiny and keep his road sea and fulfill his destiny. So when he did, if you'll notice, David... All the exploits of David, everything that happened, he should have died a thousand times, but he didn't die. And when he did die, he just started getting cold. He wasn't wounded. He never had any trauma. He just started getting cold and they couldn't warm his body up. And guess how long David lived? Seventy years. And according to them, as Adam approached 930, which would have left 70 to 1,000, he tried to go back on his gift because he wanted to live longer. I don't care how long you live, you want more. That's why if somebody leaves early or commits suicide, they're not in their right thinking. Their mind got sick the way people's bodies get sick. Because the strongest desire in a man or woman is to live. So don't be judging them that they went to hell. You don't know what happened right then. Any more than you would judge somebody with a disease for, with cancer that died. And so according to them, now this is not in the Bible, but it don't take away from it either. According to them, as he approached 930, he started saying, I want those 70 back. I want them back. I don't want to give them. And the Lord asked him, according to the Jews, let him have the years. Because it's through David's line, Messiah was coming. Said, let him have the years. And an angel of the Lord, according to them, recorded it. Where they agreed to hear, he said, okay, I'll let him have it. That's why this certain angel keeps showing up at the sacrifice of Isaac. The angel of the Lord. They keep showing up with this contract. Headed down one road. Now, you say, well, that's not in the Bible. No, it's not. But it don't take away from the scripture either. And if it does, throw it out. That's what I would do. And don't go reading the book of Enoch and get hung up on a bunch of stuff. If it don't line up with the Scripture, throw it out. Hallelujah anyway. Now watch this. So, when you start seeing this, what Adam did when he sinned is he, he remembered his destiny road. When it came out of him, it marked his thinking. He saw leaves. He saw cross beams. He saw the timbers. He saw all that. He was having memories of the future. That's why, that's why some of you will do something and say, Wait a minute, I've seen this before. I don't know where, but I've seen it. You had a memory of the future. 
You probably, your spirit man already had been there at one point. You had saw that. And you had a memory of the future of your road to destiny. And Adam remembered on that road. So the first thing he knew was that rib meant leave too. So he grabbed leaves. Everything saw. The Jews say, uh, uh, you begin to... Uh, I believe, it's, I believe it's one of their teachings where he's, they say, now I, don't hold me to this, but I think they say he cut down the trees in the garden to make him a plank house. And whether they say it or not, it's revealed in the translation that he did. Because trees were in the destiny he saw. He's reaching for his destiny. He remembers it. He's having memories of the future. It came out of him. And all your destiny is on the inside of you. And sometimes when you'll do something you saw yourself doing, you'll see, I, I did that because I saw myself do that. How many preachers have you ever done that? You walk up on the platform and say, I walked over here because I saw myself walk over. I wore that clo- those clothes today because I saw myself yesterday wearing those clothes. You're catching glimpses of your your destiny road. And these are mile markers down those roads. And when something comes to try to stop your destiny, suddenly you'll have this and the Lord will get to you somehow and tell you about some tragedy that's going to happen to somebody. And instead of saying, well, God told me that three years ago. Don't stop. Don't do that. He told you that so you could stop it. He told you that so you could stand up, use the name of Jesus, the Word of God, and stop that from coming to pass. I was going down the road. I think I was coming to Pennsylvania. I believe this is when this happened. And back then, I drove a tour bus for for us. And so I'm driving along, and suddenly I have this knowing that the Lord said, Now, the, the devil is going to try to kill your oldest daughter. And I just, I, I didn't react because it was God talking to me. I didn't act afraid. And I'm just driving. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm waiting for instruction now. He said, every time you think of this, go into warfare mode and war on it. He said, I'll bring it up to you along the time. He said, every time I do, you come against it. You stand up with a word and start coming against it. I said, all right. So I did then. And then it would lift off of me. And then this, it would come back on me. And, I'd, and then all of a sudden the Lord would say, remember? And I'd start warring. And I'd start warring. Five years this went on. Wow. Nobody knew I was doing that. I don't even know if Robin knew. I don't know if I told you or what. Did, did I tell you about that all through that five years? Yes. But I didn't tell everybody. I'd just do it. Well... Amber was, it was Peyton, wasn't it? Amber was, uh, our oldest daughter was about to have her second child, Peyton. And little Peyton is amazing. And so she was about to have her second child. And all of a sudden, for some unknown reason, all of her vitals begin to drop. She saw a dark shadow come through a room. And the little thing looked up at me because she's still little to me. 
She looked at me from that bed, and her little eyes were big. She said, Daddy, Daddy. The Lord said, this is it. This is it. I turned out of that room. I headed toward the men's room. I hit that door. Boom! I come through that door, and I said, God! I said, in the name of Jesus. And I started in on this whole situation. And all at once, the ceiling disappeared in that men's room. And I looked up, and I don't know how else to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, whether you believe it or not, is your affair. But when that ceiling rolled away, there was God Himself. It, it was the Father Himself. And He was covered with a cloud up to the waist. And there were angels around Him. And He looked down at me. And I'll never forget it. When I saw Him, He looked down at me. Have you ever looked into a, a, a mirror that makes your face get big as you get into it like that? Or a piece of chrome or something on them old car mirrors. You could do like that when we were kids and your face would get big. And he came down, and the closer he got to me, listen, he looked down at me and did his hand just like this. And when he did, his hand came down and his hand grew like this. And he said, by my mighty hand, she'll live. And he slammed his hand down like that. When he did, I turned and walked back out of that room. And about the time I walked back out of it, they were bringing Peyton across in front of the window. And all of her bottles came right back up. And Amber's here today. So what did I see? Something on the road of destiny. I remember Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen. Dad Hagen. I remember he said this. He said the Lord came to him one time and said, Oretha is going to die. He said it's in destiny that she dies. And he started in reasoning with the Lord. And this is what he said, if I'm not mistaken. He said, Lord, you said let's reason together. He said, I need her. Now his words were this, and everybody laughed. He said, I got her trained just right. <laughs> Did you ever hear him tell that story, brother? He said, I need her. And he said, Lord, if I need her, you need her. And the Lord told him, said, it was in destiny she would die. He said, but she won't now. Because of what you ask and because of what you, you have petitioned with, she live. And she did. And she outlived him. See, things are on the road of, of your destiny. And you may not know what your destiny is, but prophetic conferences like this, and when we're talking about it, it will wake your destiny up on the inside of you. Now you understand why you have glimpses of things. You're having memories of the future. And when you have memories of the future, then you'll, you'll come back and tell people about them. Where did you hear that from? Where did you see that? I, I've been to the future and I remember it. I remember that. So when Adam sinned, 
Everything he saw his destiny when it came out of his side. When that woman came walking to him, he saw his whole destiny. He saw things. Every time she looked at him, she had come from within him. He saw his destiny. Wisdom is even referred to as a she. I didn't say God was. I said wisdom. The new he-she Bible is a pile of crap. Oh, yes, it is. And so, I said wisdom is referred to as a she. Because wisdom is the ability to use knowledge. What knowledge? Of your destiny. You have memories of your future. Hallelujah. So think about that. In a women's conference, you could actually say, you know, we were originally to reveal destiny. That's why women can tell their husbands sometimes. Do you know what your destiny is? That's why they can encourage so. Have you ever wondered why the man can absolutely feel like he has to reach up to scratch a frog's belly? <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? I mean, reach up and scratch a snake's belly. You know, that's what we used to say. So low, you can scratch a snake's belly. Let's talk about being under the enemy, I guess, you know. But you think about it. A man, watch this. A man can get depressed so easy. You think I'm kidding you? No. Men, I, I don't have any, uh, any stats on this, but I believe that men get way more depressed in mo- far more numbers than women. Yeah. No, they drink it away. Or they'll cut and run. But a woman will stay. Takes a lot to make a woman cut and run. You want me to tell that? My my grandmother. I come from a, a line. My, my, let's see, now folks. My my mother, my grandmother, those women were strong. Now, now listen, they were no. You, you don't know how strong. They were strong women. I mean strong. A lot of the men wasn't worth anything, but those women. I'm just telling it like it is. And, and the, but those women now. You know, I was abandoned when I was seven. And my mother raised us. And, and my grandmother. 
My grandmother worked 50 cents an hour. And she'd send a quarter a day. She'd send that 50 cents to Nashville where we were abandoned. And we'd live on one quarter a day for 30 days. As in 1968, you could do it then. Uh, a loaf of bread, bottle of ketchup. You know, eat ketchup sandwiches, whatever. But that's not the story I want to tell you. The story I want to tell you is the strength of my grandmother and my mother and all of them. They called my family Black Dutch. And which we found out later that's probably referring to uh, Jews. Because we, they're, all, they're all Jewish looking, every one of them. But they, they took the name Black Dutch to escape the Holocaust. They weren't Jews, they were Black Dutch. Black Irish took that when the Trail of Tears happened coming through the south so they wouldn't be rounded up by the soldiers. So the American Indians called themselves, or the natives is what they really are. They called themselves Black Irish a lot of times. So, anyway, so there, <laughs> we lived up on this old hill. See, my, my grandmother's name was Myrtle, which is Hadassah in Hebrew. Well, her sister's name, the, she had many, uh, several sisters, but one of them's name was Tassie. Ain't Tassie. <laughs> they were both about this tall. Listen now, I'm telling you. And, and my, their, their father's name was Samuel Levi. And so, they're all about this tall. And so, my, my grandmother's sister, my grandmother, her sister, married two brothers. You understand what I mean? Like, my grandpa, Theo, and his, married my grandmother, but his brother, Herman, married her sister, Tassie. So, all their kids are double first cousins. That's the truth. That's the, you know. So, Big Daddy, my grandpa, of course, he was a prophet. He didn't, he didn't, I don't know that he knew it, but there was a time when, you know, he made whiskey. His brother Leo drove the whiskey. And his brother Herman drank the whiskey. <laughs> this was before he was, of course, this was, you know, before he was saved. And this is the, probably the stories of Thunder Road and all that, where I come from. But anyway, so Uncle Herman, he was about 6'3", three, weighed 300 pounds. He was like an oak tree. Just, he knocked a mule out and threw it up in the back of a cattle truck with his fist. So anyway, my Aunt Tassie's his wife. He come in one time drinking. He got her by the collar like that and threw her against a tree. <clears throat> well, that big man... So Aunt Tassie never, you just don't know Aunt Tassie. So she didn't say anything. 
So he went to work. When he came home, he was going to jump on her again. Now, he was a big guy. I mean, his daughter jumped on his back to try to keep her off, him off of her one time, and he threw a couch through the window. He's a big man. So Aunt Tassie, but that was another story. But Aunt Tassie, they came in. They came in. I know, I know. People, and probably, and everybody's listening right now. But the, all my family knows this is true. And ain't none of them alive no more. But I'd have told you anyway if they had been, if the Lord said to you. So anyway, this, now, now just stay with me. Because we're almost done here, and then you're going to get to go eat. And, you know, food comes and it goes. So, so it'd be all right. It'd be all right. It's, we have food that they know not of. Right? Anyway, uh, anyway, he, so she goes, and he's going to jump on her one time. Well, after that incident. Well, she carried a straight razor. And she called it in the South, the women call it, carrying it in their bosom. I don't know about uh, anybody where you come from, but that's what we call it. They call it, carrying a straight razor in my bosom. So Tessie had power in her bosom now. And he came at her one day. It was black, pearl-handled. And she come out of her bosom with that razor. She went to work. He went to the doctor. <laughs> and he said, the doctor said, where'd you get them cuts? He said, I fell on a Coke bottle. <laughs> he said, you see, you lying. It was way too clean. So she came home one night and he had all the drawers pulled out, sitting on the edge of the bed crying. She said, what are you crying for? He said, I'm hunting that razor. <laughs> she said, it's all right. I keep it in a good place. And that was Aunt Tassie. And if my grandmother and Aunt Tassie loved you, <laughs> listen, man, they would die for you if necessary. That's just the way my family was. And so, Mama, my grandmother, I called her Mama because she helped raise it. They was a, we lived on this old hill but down at the end of the road in an army barracks that had been converted from, from one of the wars. I don't know if it was World War II or what, Ronnie, but... Or Korean War or something. But it was an old barracks. And it just set up on cinder block out in the woods. No running water. Nothing like that. And so that's where we lived. Well, up on that hill, if you came up on that hill at night or any time, usually the lost are coming to see us. Because the only family lived on that hill. And for a long time, nobody else did. But you come to that fork in the road and you come down that side, man, you just lost or you just come and see us. And there was this stupid prowler. You know what a prowler is? A prowler. Some stupid prowler would come up on that hill with a white t-shirt. 
I never saw the prowler, but they talked about him quite a bit. I don't know if us kids invented him or he was real. I don't know. But he was stupid either way. Because you don't come up there. Now, my grandmother wasn't afraid of nothing. Nothing. She kept a machete by the door. You just don't know this about me now. She grabbed a grown man by the collar, busted his nose three times with her fist one day. Bang, bang, bang. He just stood there and cried and bled. I mean, she, she, she just, a little bitty thing. And she loved her folks. And she loved God. She had great, enormous faith. But she came, she was born in 1909, so she came up hard. And so she, but she had enormous faith. She believed God one day for a quarter to mail a letter to her sister in Huntsville, Alabama. And it was just all she could find was pennies. And she was living with us in that old barracks. She walked in that little kitchen area. She asked the Lord for it. She come and heard of it. Come back in there. On top of that pile of pennies was a brand new quarter later. She kept up six and sometimes ten or so, however many it was. I know six in one family. With her $235 a month Social Security check. Fed them everything, whatever it took. She walked a quarter of a mile, rain or shine, to catch her ride to work. She was remarkable. And I miss her. But she was, she loved moi. Oh, no, she did. And so, and so anyway, he... This prowler came up there, and so Mama calls Aunt Tassie. She said, now, Tassie, ain't nobody up here that said all these kids and women folk. We've got to do something about this prowler. Aunt Tassie said, all right, I'll be up there. So then she comes up there. I'm not making this up. She comes up there and said, what are we going to do? Aunt Tassie said, well, we'll wait till we know he's out there. And then we'll walk up the road. Because it wasn't, no, it was dark, man. The only light you had was moonlight. Said, so we'll just walk up that road together. We'll wait till we know he's there now. Mama said, all right. Then what are we going to do? Aunt Tassie said, well, Myrtle, you let him grab you. <laughs> what she said, you let him grab you. And Mama's, here's Mama's response. Okay. <laughs> then what? Aunt Tassie said, I'll cut him off of you. <laughs> I'll cut him off of you. Now that was their plan. And they intended on doing this. You think they'd have done it, Brother Robin? Absolutely they'd have done it. Yes, sir, they'd have done it. Robin can tell you they would have done that. That's just the way it was. My grandmother washed dishes for 50 cents an hour. She got down there at Barty's restaurant in Gardendale, Alabama one morning. Somebody had broke in. Everybody was afraid to go in there that she was with. Mama got a butcher knife and headed through the... <laughs> she just grew up like that. She wasn't afraid. 
I'll tell you this last story. I don't know if I'm led to or just doing it. Uh, no, I, I, I believe you ought to hear it. Because this is a ladies' conference, and I'm going to close with this. Now. We got a lot out of today. What about last night and today? You put these things together. We lived in that old barracks. Now that you know more than you probably wanted to. We lived in that old barracks. And I was, uh, my mother worked two jobs. And so mama would take care of us, me, and I had two younger sisters. And I still do, but, you know, they were young. And so in this, in this one room, me and my grandmother slept. I was about 10 years old. And so in this little room, we had two twin beds, one all the way on this side, one all the way on this side. And so we'd sleep there at night, and the windows were always plasticked up because we didn't have air conditioning, we didn't have heat, no insulation in the walls. Had one little heater, so we, and I don't know why we didn't remove, we couldn't afford to put it back on, I guess, so we left it boarded up in the summer, and it's just hot. Well, we finally opened one window, I think, in that bedroom. Well, I'm laying there asleep one night, and Mama's over there against that wall. And all of a sudden, this light goes around the room. Where I lived, listen, you heard so many booger tales. And, and y'all don't know what I mean by that, do you? You heard so many booger tales and, and hillbilly voodoo that we just, listen, there were strange things happened. And, when, and, and you'd be laying in the bed and something outside would go, you go, <laughs> the truth. So we lived out in the middle of the woods. Well, this thing, there wasn't no interstate, nothing like that. So this, this light said, around the room. My eyes popped open. How I saw that and my eyes shut, I don't know. And I saw that, and then I looked, and a few minutes, it went again. And then it started going like this around the room. It started getting slower. I'm so scared I couldn't talk. Have you ever, you've never seen that? I was trying to say mama and I was going. <laughs> I couldn't get the words out. And, and I, I stuck my leg out from under the cover. And I was trying to reach across the room to her and kick her bed. Because, you know, mama's like Mikey. Mikey will eat anything. Remember that old commercial? Mama ain't afraid of nothing. And I know it. <laughs> and I couldn't get her attention because I couldn't talk. This light came and was about this big around, stopped right over her. She's laying this. It was right here on the wall, above her head, like right in there. And I finally got her attention. I can hear that. I can hear the way she talked. You know, oh, what? I said. <laughs> it's a true story. And she turned and looked, and that circle of light was right on that wall. You know what she did? I'm over there going. Mama did this. Rubbed it. Looked at it. Sat up in the bed and rubbed it. Got up, went through the house to be sure nothing was reflecting. Wasn't nothing. She came back in there and she said, I don't know what it is. It went from one circle and broke off into two. Like this and started doing this. She said, 
I don't know what it is, but might as well go back to sleep. <laughs> now that was Mama. I thought, what? <laughs> I'm over there staring at it. And it's moving back and forth now. I mean, I don't know if that happens. probably happens all the time at your house, but I've never seen that before. And now it looks like two eyes moving back and forth. Mama's laying back down going to sleep. I'm over there with this quilt up to my nose. And it finally just faded away. Now, that's the kind of person she was. She wasn't afraid of nothing. She had no fear in her that I knew of. If she did, she hid it. A hog would come in the house, get loose, and run through her house. I got up on the couch, getting away from this hog. She beat it with a broom. Boom, boom. Get out of my house. I'm serious. Carried two five-gallon buckets of water twice a day, she did. From the well down to that old barrack. It was amazing. I was preaching years later. And I was at our church preaching. I was telling this story about those lights. And I said to myself, I said, well, what was that? He said, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in the earth, searching for someone to show itself strong in. He said, I came up on that hill hunting you that night. Hallelujah. Destiny. Destiny. Say it out loud. Destiny. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for everything. I give you praise and honor and glory. Yes, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I want you to... If you will, just a few more moments. And, well, maybe longer, but I want you, if you will, to. Is it still on? Yeah. If you will, I want you to pray with me about something. I believe this group is the one the Lord would have me tell you this morning. I haven't told the team, I haven't told anybody. I saw in the night, and as I woke up this morning, I saw Florida, the state of Florida. I'm not sure where it's at, but I saw a hurricane, and it was a bad one. I mean, this is not good at all. I don't know when, but I saw this hurricane. And off of this hurricane, it produced such severe weather. And I saw it come up. You, you don't know where this is at, but you could look it up. I saw it come up 65 north uh, into Alabama and ran straight to Nashville. I saw this. And I, I want you to help me pray. Because even if we can't stop it, because some things are set to happen because of seed sown, we can beat the death out of it. 
And so I want us to lift up our voices today and pray. And I want us to pray over this thing. Now, I don't know, but I, I mean, listen, when I woke up, it woke me up in the middle of the night. If I could show you how I wrote it. I saw this. You say, well, in a dream, yes, I guess so. I don't. But it was that I knew it. I saw it. I saw the path it would all take. There's a mighty revival going on in Florida. And there are several people right now in and around the Nashville area. Nashville is a special place to the Lord because it's the place of sound. And it was made for a prophetic sound, but wicked leadership has hold of that city. And there is a false god 40 feet high in that city. And it's over in a Greek Parthenon in Centennial Park. And it's 40 feet gold leaf wrapped, Athena. And it has the serpent at her feet. And uh, you have to pay tribute to, to her to go in and see that. And Nashville, the leadership won't quit. Even though it's, it's Christian good people in that place. But the government is so corrupt that it's got to... I see the importance shifting from Nashville and moving into the Franklin area. The spotlight. You know, it's always been Nashville, Nashville. But if something don't change, it'll just kind of fade. And it's going to move toward Franklin. That's what I see. I don't know if I've said that before out loud. But that's what I see coming. But I want us to pray for lives to be spared. Because I don't know when this is going to happen. I did not see a date. I didn't see a timeline. I just saw it. Lord, we lift up Florida to you right now. We lift up Florida to you now, Lord. As this massive hurricane begins to form. Whatever it's going to be and whenever it's going to be. Lord, it is coming to stop a revival. It's coming to end a revival. Yes, I will. This is what's causing it. It's religion. Religion is causing it. Religion is causing this thing to form the way it's going to form. And so right now, we bind that spirit of hell. We cast you down from your place of authority. And we command you to bow the knee. Lord, I ask you to diminish the winds and send the strong wind of the Holy Ghost across that thing and wind shears to just cut it in half. Just cut it in half and start getting it out of harm's way. That what looks like a monumental storm will now begin to minimize. Lord, I ask you for this. And I ask you, Lord, that this enemy not be allowed to touch the oil or the wine. Jesus name I saw this thing coming up and the reason I knew it was 65 but it wasn't just coming that direction per se I think it's going to come through and come up and cross and go around bad weather will spring off through Tuscaloosa all the way up through that side of the state 
and go toward Huntsville and Nashville and probably up 65 is the way I saw it going. But I don't know if that 65 was a directional point that I knew or that's the way it's headed. But it's going to spring off of that thing. So, Lord, right now we lift up Nashville. We lift up Tennessee to you, Lord. Tennessee, Lord God, is the place and the home of the, of the original revivals. Lord God, and I ask you, I hold them up before you now, that this thing be minimized and we can beat the death out of this thing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now we stand on Philippians 2, 9, 10, and 11, that Jesus has been given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we command this thing to bow its knee in Jesus' name. And Lord, that this result, Lord God, we'll see this minimized for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, I would encourage Nashville to vote corrupt politicians out. Out. Now, yeah, I don't know how much of this he'll let me say. Yeah. Is there anything here, Lord? Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I, I heard the name. Uh, this is a person's name. Uh, your name is Virginia. Virginia. I don't know if that's you in this room or somebody real close to you in your family. But if that's you, I need to see your hand. And if, you, if this name means anything to you, I need to see that. Don't be afraid. Virginia. I think that's the name. I wrote it down. Who, who is that, ma'am? And her name is Virginia, and she lives in Virginia Beach. Yeah. Okay. Does Virginia know Jesus? No. Is she in good health, bad health? Okay. But she don't know Jesus. So the Lord wants you and I to pray for her. Okay? How many believe the Lord told us something? Virginia at Virginia Beach. Okay. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we lift up Virginia to you now, Lord. And Lord God, we lift her up to you that you will send the perfect laborer across her path. That she will listen to your word and hear you and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Yes, Lord God. Yes. Lord God, and we stand together in agreement that if two of us agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done for them of our Father which is in heaven. And we agree on this right now, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I heard the Lord when I was talking. I believe you're the perfect laborer. 
when you talk to her. You know, I did this one time with somebody very dear to Robin and I. Nobody could talk to him. He would even cuss preachers out and run them off. And he got his health turned. And I would go down and, and shave him and do things for him. And every time before I would leave, I'd put my hands on his head and said, Now I'm going to pray for you. He wouldn't cuss me. I shaved him. I don't mean that like that. I mean, I was taking care of him. And so he, I'd pray over him. I'd do this every day or so, you know, as he needed. I'm leaving one morning, and I, I was in a hurry, and I was just going to leave, and I didn't pray. He said, hey, where's my prayer? Well, it wasn't long. I was shaving him and taking care of him one morning. I looked at him and I said, and everybody in the house was milling around the house. I said, have you ever made Jesus the Lord of your life? Everything in the house got quiet. And he said, yep, did that last night. Just like that. I see a big fast turn coming for Virginia. Virginia was hurt really bad. She was. I don't know if you know this or not, but she was. She was hurt really bad as she was younger. And it left her in thought patterns that's a lot different. And uh, kind of left her very stern this way, see, in a lot of ways. You know what I'm talking about. You do. And so, but the Lord is reaching for her now. And she must be told. Because things are going to turn quickly some direction. And the Lord told me this morning her name. Amen? Will you do that? Okay. Stand up, dear sister. Just right there where you are, if you'll just stand. Because... The Lord says, because you have done this, and because you have stood to do this, the Lord said, I am going to bless you financially. I'm going to bring a prosperity across your life. And it will not only be to settle things that worry you so much, but things matters are going to be settled around you. Things that weigh upon you at times. These matters are going to be settled, the Lord says. Because you have agreed to do such things, I am going to reward you with these things, says the Lord. And you will see my hand in your life, definitely, and you will know these words are true to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I, I don't know if there's a... If, but there is a legal matter. I don't know if it's, if it's you. I don't know who this is. But there's matters that are going to be settled around the room. So you need to take that. You know, it's like Krista says. If you're saying, is that me? Did it pertain? Take it. Take it. And then I think the Lord will let me tell you this. I heard somebody, they call Ms. Ms. May, May, a, a, a Mrs. May or a Miss May, 
some means something to somebody in the room. You know, don't ever be afraid to say anything. I remember one time I was ministering. People are not used to hearing this up close in their lives. So they, they think, well, I, the Lord told me, he said, now there's somebody in the room famous for turning wrenches. Well, now, you know, that's not a normal word. Famous for turning wrenches. And I said, somebody here is famous for turning wrenches. I looked around the room. I have me a mechanic all picked out. He was sitting in the back, had his cap on. I thought, well, that's him. So I'll say it. He never moved. Nobody moved. And then in a little bit, this woman come walking up. And she said, I don't know, it could be me. Said, I was decorated by the Army for, for working on helicopters, being a helicopter mechanic. I've been on Nightline. I've been on these other news programs. So it could be me you were talking about. I said, you reckon? So I don't know who May is, but Ms. Ms. May, that's the way I wrote it down, because that's what I heard. Huh? Who is it? Me, May. Me, May. Mamay. That's you? Really? Wow. See, I've never heard that, so I only equated Ms. May or something to that. Meemaw, right. Meemaw, Papa, yeah. Uh huh. Mamay. So, Mamay, is that what you go by now? Okay, Mamay. Are, are you a widow? You are? You have a son? A stepson. What is his name? Yeah. How many of you believe God is talking about some things right this morning? How do you know the name Mamet? Now, this is kind of, I guess, personal. You were only married once? Twice? Twice, yeah. Now, Everybody pray with me just a minute, would you? Yes. Now, Mamey, this is what I saw. And I saw strength coming into your body for your back. I don't know if that's what all that entails, but it's your back. It's, it's probably across... That's right. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's your back area there. 
I saw first of all strength coming in there. But then I saw when the strength starts returning, great encouragement, it rushed up your back into your thinking. And suddenly you start to be encouraged again. And things that you thought were over are not over yet. And things that you thought you wouldn't see, you will see. And you'll begin to see one or two of them in the next two weeks. So you're going to start understanding some of this thing. And the Lord says that He ain't nearly done. And that He wanted Mamey to know that he, had, he heard your prayer last night when you prayed specifically. Yes? Is this right? Yes. Yes. And the Lord says, there was a prayer you prayed a week ago. A week, a week ago. Yes. And the Lord says, you're going to start seeing these things start turning and happening. Because, Mamey, this is your day. Hallelujah. Give it to the Lord. Yeah, and I'm going to get, I'll give you one more. And, you know, sometimes when people respond so uh, uh, fast, God lets you go further. There's uh, now someone, someone in here, or it may be someone very dear to you, but someone uh, suffers, suffers from shingles. It's a shingles. Is that you? Your aunt. In her eyes. Your brother. Your your sisters. Your brother. In his eyes too. Bad. Did y'all hear that? Both in the eyes. What is your brother's name? What? Donna. Dave and Donna. Lord, right now, we curse this foul spirit from hell and command it to leave Dave and Donna. I order this infection just like leprosy to get up and leave them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to course through their veins. Course life through their veins, Lord. Let it begin to heal up. Heal up completely, Lord God. In Jesus' name. This, this trauma or frustration, which one of you, which one of your folks, they're plagued with it. It's a, it's a, it's a, a worry. It's a trauma. It's constantly on them. It's Dave. Was this before the shingles? Yes. Trauma. Yes. Yes. That is a spirit of fear. It's fear causing it. Who is Ralph? Who's Ralph? Who's that? Who? Ralph? Somebody? Somebody knows Ralph? I don't know if it's Rafferty. Ralph? Something. Maybe like Mamey. I don't know the name. 
Somebody needs to say something quick. Raphael, that's your son-in-law. Is that what you call him, Raphael? You call him Ralph. And you were right here. <laughs> you know, see, that's what I'm talking about. It, isn't it something how we're, we're, we get removed sometimes that we don't think God will come that close to us to name something like that? Isn't that amazing? It really is because sometimes we have to look and say, wait a minute. I think that was me. I want to tell you something. It also shows that you're not a selfish person. Now, I heard that. That you're not a selfish person. Are you married? You're widowed? No. Divorced. Would you stand up, please? The Lord, this is what I hear Him say. You have a heart of compassion. You would care for someone who didn't, who couldn't care for themselves. You ever done that? The Lord, I'm going to pray that He bless you now. Because that's what you desire. It's just a blessing from the Lord. Isn't that right? That's correct, isn't it? <laughs> what is your name? Gene? Gene? Are you afraid to touch my head? Gene? In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, I will. Now, how old is Ralph? Ralph's married, right? Yeah. He's been married. Is that his only time? Yeah, one other time. That's right. Now, does Ralph have children from somewhere else? Yeah, right. There's boys and girls. Two boys, two girls. Yeah, that's right. Now, Lord God, I lift up. Yes, I'll tell her. The Lord says, I'm going to bless you now. And I'm going to send you a blessing into your life. Gene, Gene, yes, you. I'm going to send you a blessing into your life that you will know that I have. I will start it out in your thinking. And I will tell you things and you will just cry. And it will be a happy cry. And you will get happy again. For I'm going to cause you to laugh again, Gene. And I'm going to send you this blessing. And as far as Ralph goes, don't worry about destiny concerning him or your family. For I am going to start changing his mind. And I'm going to turn his mind. And I'm going to change him into a new man. Hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise. Now, Dave, you don't know Carol, do you? Who knows a Carol? That's you? 
Carol Lynn. Do they call you Carol? But you're right there. See, see, sometimes like Carol Lynn is not a name I use. You know what I'm saying? Like Mamay. It's just not a name I use, so I'm going to hear the closest thing. I heard in one service, you know. Let me show you how, how, how merciful God is. He's in a meeting, in a church. There's a man on the back. I, I forget. I know his name, but I better not call his name right now. And I, and I, I didn't know it till then. And the Lord gave me his name. He wouldn't move. He wouldn't even acknowledge. So, you know, you're just walking around. Next thing you know, I hear somebody yell at me. Garrett! And I, nobody's talking to me. I heard it. And I said, and I hear the name Garrett. Well, I guess I can. The man's name was... Well, I'll, I'll just leave it alone. And he said, I said, Garrett. Some young man stood up on the front and said, well, that's it. That's it. He said, my name is Garen. And my dad is named that other name you called. He's standing right back there. He said, everything you're talking about. He, so I went back there too. I said, is that your name? Yeah, I went back there. And I was talking to him. I said, the Lord says you have a specialty job, right? Well, no. So the Lord says you have a special. You don't have a special job. Well, I work on these machines for thirty years. These special machines. I said the Lord's going to give you a new job in two weeks, brand new. And they've been there thirty years. Two weeks, whole new thing. In two weeks, they contacted me and said, "My dad just wanted you to know." Because you can't, I mean, you know, people, you don't blame people. I mean, they don't know. I mean, he don't know me. He might not want him to. But he said, he said, two weeks, said another company called and offered him a job with all these benefits and all these raises, and now he's living his best life. So when God calls a name, he does it for a specific reason, not just to ooh and wow a crowd. See, like that's serious with Dave and, and what, uh, Donna. See, that's serious stuff. Now, you said Dave is younger than you. But Dave don't have a daughter, does he? His daughter. Now, did, you, did you hear the Lord said that? He said Dave had a daughter. That's why I asked you that. So now this thing. See, this is when did this show up? Recently? After his? This is the spirit of fear. This, this is exactly what it is. So we're going to cut that off at the root. We're going to just cut the root of that thing. Now, it'll take a little while to wither, but it will wither. Okay? You tell Dave. 
got a man who don't even know him from Adam's house can call his name and knew he had a daughter. That means he's on heaven's mind right now. Amen. It's going to make all the difference. Now, Lord, we cut that, that root of fear out of Dave's life. We cut it right now in the name of Jesus. And we decree and declare that this thing will eat of his body no longer. And this thing that's diagnosed in him and his daughter will absolutely, Lord God, will have to turn them loose. And they will eat of that tree no more. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Carol, do you have a daughter? No? Who about? Carolyn? Wait a minute, you have a sister named Carol? You? Carol. And you're right there. But they call you Carol. And that is her name. Let's just lift our hands and, and pray just a minute. We're going to see what. There is somebody in this room that you have a part of your, I think it's, it's part of your address. I can't say it all, but it's 15, 6, something. And the Lord won't let me tell it all for obvious reasons. He wouldn't give that out. But it's somebody in here. If that's you, I need to see your hand real quick. The Lord moved on me to do this, and I was just going to close. I, I, I can't tell the whole address. It was 15, it's 6. I'm going I'm to leave that there just a minute, and the carol, just a minute, because I need to deal with Donna, this thing. Okay? Because this is this is not the first time this has come up with her. Second time. All right, we're going to stand after today that it'll not arise again. Because this is the first day it's been called, so it'll not arise a second time. It's enough of this. Enough of this. A lot of times if I'm standing in a crowd. I'll hear things, and they'll be here or there, and I think it's right there. Because it's not—it's easier to do if somebody's standing in front of you. That's easier for me to hear. It's not a trick. You just hear. 
Yes, Lord. I, I need more of that. I need more specifics on it. Forgive me, Lord. It's just what I need. It. How old is your? How old is she? Just ballpark. It don't have to be exact. Sixty-eight. I'm just going to swing for the fence right here. Okay. Was there a was, was there a was there a man that caused her that really has she's hurt about or something? What is that? What am I hearing? This hurt her terribly. Yes. 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 Is he gone now? Yes. Yeah. See, this is what I'm talking about. It hurt her terribly. Not only just emotionally, but physically too. Yes. We're going to have to pray for her that she laugh again. She has to laugh again. There has to be joy manifest in her life again. She shouldn't have to struggle so much. Really not at all. But we need to pray for this. Can you believe with me for that? Because as she thinks, she will become... I heard the Lord say He's going to start lubricating her joints again. The word dry socket, no, you understand what I mean by that? Yes. So He's going to start lubricating her joints again. And she's going to laugh again because we're going to agree on that. How many of you would agree with us that Donna will laugh again? How many of you believe the Lord did something right here? Right now, Lord, we lift up Donna to you, Lord. And I thank you for restoring her joints and her body. That lubrication in her joints will happen now. Lord God, and I, I ask you right now to send great laughter into her life. Great joy into her life. That she feel like getting up in the morning again. That she feels like resting at the evening. But Lord, I ask you to let her start having so much fun that she don't even want to sleep at night. That she wants to spend more time enjoying her life. And I give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Now, all of the carols, carolins that raise their hands, stand up right where you are. All of you, real quickly, come on. Just like springs are attached to you. Stand up where you are right now. If you, if you answer to that, stand. Lift your hands up and bless the Lord. Come on and bless the Lord. Come on and thank Him. Because this is what I saw. And whether I don't know exactly the situations because the Lord didn't reveal it to me. He just told me the names. And so this is what I hear the Lord say right now. There is about to come a wave of hope. 
Hope, H-O-P-E, a wave of hope is going to start blowing through your lives at this point. It'll start today and it's going to be like a wave that comes through your life. It's going to engulf all of your, your family. It's going to start bringing things around in a rightful place to where it lands properly in front of you. Things are going to start landing solidly in front of you. And the things that were up in the air in your life now are going to start to settle. And they'll settle quickly and they'll settle uh, very, very sternly. It's going to be settled, says the Lord, and you are going to have a great expectancy of a future again. And things are going to be better in your lives and better in these Carol's lives. And you're going to see this happen because of hope. Hope is coming. Hope. Hope. Hope is coming. Hope is coming. Who is hope? Who is hope? Hope. You hope? Your name means hope. Who is who is hope? Lift your hands up, sister. Yes, I know, Lord. You're about to miss something. You're about to miss something big. Either you are hope, or you have a hope in your family. And you're about to miss something. Hope. What is your hands up for, sister? That's good. You go ahead and take this. Now, I don't know who Terrell is. A Terrell or a Terry. I don't know who that is. Your niece is Terry. You are Terry. Stand up, Terry. Look what your obedience did. It allowed the Holy Ghost to do something here. The Lord says this concerning you. He says something about your life and the Lord says you will hunger no more. You're not going to hunger anymore because I'm going to fill every inch of your life. I'm going to start giving you the things you've desired and hungered for. You hungered for things of God. God said, I'm going to give you the things of God. I'm going to show you what to do with your hands. You do something with your hands. And the Lord said, I'm going to bless your hands and the work of your hands to do it even more. Because now the hunger that you've desired and you've desired for who in your life? Someone in your is going to start to be filled now because hunger. Hunger is coming to be filled in Terry's life. Hallelujah. That is what you wanted, wasn't it? You hungered for God. But you wasn't being fed for a while. Is that true? And you hungered for Him. The Lord said He saw you. And He saw you cry. In the night. He heard that. Now he's going to fill your life. Get ready for a new one. A new life. You needed one, didn't you? You don't have to tell me what, but tell these people that I heard the Lord. You needed a new life, didn't you? 
Well, you have it. Hallelujah. Now I speak this to hope. Your name means hope. Some people think you're flaky. Is this true? That's very honest. That's good. It's something that I heard that this far. But but some people think you're flaky. Kind of unusual. Because you have erratic actions about it. Is this true? Who's with you here that can verify this? Is this true? Yes. The Lord says your wild thinking and out of the box mentality is a gift I gave you. And it will come into a such a time that it will be celebrated and not tolerated. But you, you must stay focused on the written word. Put your eyes on the Bible, the written word. And the Lord will, you will still have all those wild ideas. You'll still have that boldness that you have about you just to do things or to say things. And it'll probably still make people mad. But you're going to be able to do it and say it, but the Word will hold you grounded. And the day will come, that gift will be celebrated. Hallelujah. So hope, receive that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we thank the Lord. Let's thank Him. We thank Him. We thank Him. Hallelujah. I better wait on the rest of it. But we want to thank the Lord for His graciousness. And His goodness. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. All right. I heard Ronnie, Rhonda, and then I heard the name, I think I pronounced it, Manafort. Manaford, Manafor, Manaf something. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Your his name is what? Ron. Yeah. Is that is his name Ronnie or just Ron? Ron, Okay. Really. Stand up, sister. Don't don't tell me anything. Just just that. Now, your sister depressed about? Is, is she? Yes. I, I can't hardly hear you. Okay, tell me again. She is depressed. Uh, is Ronnie? Who? who does, does Ronnie have a son? Yes. yes. How old is Ronnie's son? 
Is he a help to her? They have a good relationship. You don't have to tell me the things, just yes or no. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm going to pray encouragement for Ronnie because that's what Ronnie needs. Now, this is serious. She needs encouragement. People don't think encouragement's all that important, but it's very important. Especially when Ronnie thinks not many care. Lord, I lift up Ronnie to you. I ask you, Lord, to let her son call her. And talk to her. And talk to her affectionately. And I don't know what this is about, but let him call her, talk to her, forgive her. Let forgiveness between the two, something needs to happen here. Let it take place, whatever that is, Lord. That she be encouraged. Hallelujah. That her health not turn downhill. That it level off where it is and start climbing back up. Is this something you understand, sister? Yes. Okay. And Lord, I ask you that this happen in Ronnie's life right now. In Jesus' name. I pray for this dear sister, her husband, Ron. And what's his last name? Lord. <laughs> How long have y'all been married? We've been married 38 years. Yeah, y'all just newlyweds. We've been married 42. Now, <laughs> see, no Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me. Okay, let me tell. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something now. <laughs> He's a skeptic. He is, isn't he? Yeah, he's a skeptic. The Lord said he's a skeptic. And he's a good man. He just wants proof of everything he sees. Is this true? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Proof's coming. <laughs> You rejoice, dear sister. Whenever he, whenever you look at him, he says things. Just laugh, because proof's coming. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. God bless you. Come on, Pastor. Amen. Thank you so much. <laughs> Wasn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. Are you guys hungry? All right. That's good on its answer. <laughs> well, listen, we're going to feed you now and we're going to pray over the meal. But if you want to get up and walk around, you know, 